a savage My bitch so bad, she made my head a bit look average I'm talking nasty, I call him my little bad bitch She call me daddy, but I am not a daddy And she only 21 and she a savage My bitch so bad, she made my head a bit look average I'm talking nasty, I call him my little bad bitch She call me daddy, but I am not a daddy Who you know the labor dealer, still don't need him What y'all paying for the bowl, cause I got cheaper What's up, what's up, what's good with it, everybody? We back again for another episode of the Pick and Roll Podcast. Now, I know it's been a little while since we've been here, but, you know, we back now. Sam, what's good? What's good, world? Man, it's uh, it's been a lot to go on since the last time we got to uh, reach out to our listeners. So we got a, a nice lengthy episode for our listeners, but I feel like it's only right that we start out with the NBA scene as we just had All-Star Weekend. Now, there was a lot that went on uh, throughout the All-Star Weekend and all of the different, I guess, activities and stuff that they had going on. How did you feel about All-Star Weekend? Did it did it, did it entertain you? Was it was it definitely something worth watching? What were you, What was your take on All-Star Weekend as a whole? Mm, it's it's kind of I can't say I wasn't entertained. Um, I, I I was entertained. I was entertained. I can't sit here and say I wasn't. There was a few things that, I mean, I guess wasn't all that entertaining. But there's really nothing you can really do about it. So, like I'm speaking of maybe like the dunk contest and the celebrity game. Like some some events just aren't going to be all that exciting to me. So, yeah, I, I can agree with that. I felt like I was more excited at the fact that it was just All Star Weekend. You know how All Star Weekend as a whole just brings that that good feeling, like oh, it's All Star Weekend. I can't wait to watch this and watch that. So, I was kind of on the same tip that you were. The dunk contest to me wasn't super entertaining, but it was cool for what it was. I just yeah. felt like it's. I mean, you know, you're gonna have your years in the All Star uh, All Star Weekend where the dunk contest isn't what you expect it to be, especially with the names that was in it. They didn't have any like uh, major names as far as guys who you know was gonna bring that thunder. Obviously, Dennis Smith Jr. was a guy who stood out name wise, but uh, I felt like the rest of the guys were just like uh, I don't know. They weren't guys that we were really looking forward to watching dunk. I don't feel like. But uh, nah. and, but it was it was still a decent dunk contest. It was one of the, I mean, I can't say it was any worse than any other ones that we've had in the past three or four years. Yeah, I mean, I just I felt like the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from the dunk contest for me was that, uh, the multiple attempts, like these were dunks that they were good dunks. I don't want to take anything away from the dunks that they made. It just took so long for them to make it that once they finally did, it was just like, uh, yeah, that was cool. That shit would have been super tough if he would have made it on the first one. And I think that I think they need to start judging the dunk contest for the contest that we're in right now, and quit worrying about what dunks was done two, three years ago, and what was done twenty years ago. Like I feel like they need to judge each dunk contest. Um, individually yeah i agree i agree they definitely shouldn't they shouldn't hold it against them what was done in the past i agree 100 i feel like the judges take too much into account well 
we seen that in multiple dunk contests before, so that can't be invented. Like it's because after a while, there's only so many dunks that can be done. Yeah, what more do you want these guys to do? Like it's, um, I don't know. I, I do feel like in a way, I would like to see a little more creativity. You think of guys like a Aaron Gordon. He brought stuff to the dunk contest that we had never seen before. Like, yeah, but then, when you get guys trying to do stuff like that, then you bring all the cheesy shit to the to the floor, though, and you see all the whack props and all the stupid shit that people be doing, like the um, the the John Collins, <laughs> the airplane, joint. bro. That shit was so cheesy, bro. Like it's just like no, like. I don't like that part of the dunk contest. I would rather see the bring an exotic guy to throw you a pass or something. I don't want to see guys bringing out props. And da- next thing we're going to see is a runway dance group, <laughs> Soul Train line or some shit. Like, I'm good off of that. See, I don't mind the props, but I feel like there's a fine line in between of that being creative and being like you said I guess cheesy for lack of a better word I just don't I I like the creativity but you gotta you have to you have to be I guess uh, it has to be something relatable like I understood where John Collins was going with it Um, Wright Brothers North Carolina the connection there but I don't feel like it was uh relevant for a dunk contest like i can understand the flight you consider yourself flying but the dunk itself was it was terrible he did clip the play but yeah man i don't want to bash the dunk contest too long i was pleased with the three-point shootout and that was my favorite event mine too and that's another thing man i I feel like I don't want to keep dwelling on the dunk contest, but I feel like the dunk contest would be so much better if they could find a way to get bigger names in the dunk contest because that's honestly what's so exciting about the three-point shootout is that you have big-name shooters year in, year out, shooting it out. Like, whether it be Steph this year, Clay in the previous years, Devin Booker, you have big-name guys that you know can fill it up. And the most exciting part is – you got a guy like Joe Harris that comes out on top of the best shooters in the NBA. Joe Harris outshoots them all. And to me, that's that's the only event that still has the real competition to it. Like people really compete in this in the three point. I don't feel like nobody else really cares about winning anything else for real. I like, agree. Like I, I ain't gonna I ain't gonna sit here and act like. Steph down in the dumps that he lost the three-point shootout, but guarantee he like, damn, I can't believe I lost that. Yeah, because, I mean, you saw the way he was shooting. that First round, that man hit 10 straight three balls. Like, he hit his last two racks and then turned around in the next round and went crazy as well. Joe Harris just went crazy-er. So, yeah, like you said, they're bringing their A game. It's not like guys are just out here just shooting to be shooting. Like, I, that's the biggest thing I'm jealous about from – 90s basketball compared to now is that their all-star weekends were, was full of competition. Compet- competitive, exactly. Like people people wanted to win every event. In, even the skills challenge, guys was out there trying to bring home that trophy. Exactly. Like now, now was just, I mean, I can't fault them. Guys is looking forward to their break and whatever. But at the same time, like, that's what used to make all-star weekend great is that we got to see the best players in the league 
competing for shit. Right, and I think we got to go all the way back to like the AI days to where we've actually seen a super competitive all-star game. Like we, That was an all-star game where teams really took it to heart, the East and the West. Like, now nah, we better than y'all, and we're going to go out here and show why. Like, it was extremely competitive, but like you said, we don't see that anymore. I don't think it's anything that the NBA can do. I don't think it's nothing that the format can do to change it. I just feel like that's something that's the mentality of the player that we deal with today. Like, guys want to win championships, but as far as pure competition, they're not on the same level mentally as the guys in the 90s. Like, them guys, they could have hooked up the, the, the Nintendo Wii and played bowling. Guarantee all them guys would be out there trying to win. I think. Bron- I think this – should be uh this i i feel like it it would be difficult to do because obviously they would have to revert a little bit and it may uh to the teams i feel like they would be like um maybe if we did this then our regular season records don't really matter that much and this this and that that but I wouldn't be against the NBA going back to the East and West format, and they play this game to see which team or which uh, conference gets home court advantage in the NBA Finals. I wouldn't be against seeing something like that. Like if, let's say they go back to East and West. Let's say the Warriors do come out with the best record in the NBA, but let's say the East wins the All-Star game. If the East can beat the West in the All-Star game, it can trump them being a better team as far as record is concerned in a championship. I feel like that's probably one of the only things that they can do in regards of making it more competitive because obviously players is going, shoot, we got a chance to go to the ship and we got a chance to get home court advantage. You're damn right we're going to play our ass off. But I don't think that, obviously that's not something that I believe will happen. That's just something that I could see being, I guess, uh, a reason to make the players play more I guess competitive basketball, but um, yeah, man, go ahead. I just I don't I don't see nothing changing, and I think this is where we are in the All Star game. I think within the next five years, we'll definitely see a two hundred plus point All Star game. From if not both teams, one of the teams gonna score two hundred points before the next five years. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But, yeah, man, as a whole, I can say I was pretty much entertained with um, the with All-Star Stars Weekend. Game was fire too. Yeah, it was. It was. It definitely was. I felt like that was a good game. Um, the celebrity game freaking sucks. <laughs> I didn't watch it. But I saw y'all talking about it in the group chat, and you definitely had a good point as they should have more hoopers in the celebrity basketball game. It shouldn't just be celebrities. It should be celebrities that can actually hoop. Man, you got guys out there airballing free throws and shit, man. It's hard to watch. <laughs> like, and then you got, like, Famous Lose. Like, you're you going to give him MVP, but he out there playing against people who basically wouldn't even be playing in your church, in your church league. Like, He playing just like he'd be playing at the Planet Fitness out there in L.A. Yeah, at least It's another one of them games. The past few years, they may have at least three or four guys who could hoop. Like, this year was bad, man. Nobody was out there. Where was everybody at? I would like to see them try to do something as far as making that more competitive, most definitely. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing – 
I guess like a celebrity basketball game and they try to incorporate uh, Ice Cube's big three league, like have a big three all-star team against some other type of all-star team, some type of celebrity all-star team or something like or that. Or do, do one celebrity team versus a, 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 a NBA alumni team or something. They will beat the shit. NBA alumni team will beat the shit out of a, a, a celebrity team. It is or or mix them up and I don't know they got to find a way I don't know that this year's celebrity game was just really bad. I just I, I feel like when it comes to that celebrity basketball game, you got I feel like there has to be some type of qualifications in in order for you to play in that game. Like simple as that. They can't just throw a name out there and be like, oh, such such is playing this year. Like no, like nah. Some of them guys clearly did not belong. Right. You put them in front of 20,000 people to play basketball. They couldn't even play in front of 10. I agree. I I personally, uh, before we get off this All-Star thing, I'm so excited for next year's All-Star weekend because I know Zion is going to bring the house down. And that's what everybody's really going to come to watch next year. And I'm hoping we see somebody that actually takes it upon himself to challenge him next year. But I don't think he's gonna win the dunk contest. What? But that's how it always go. Whoever everybody think gonna win, bro, they never win. This is a different guy though, bro. I can't I know, see him I mean, ever still... losing a dunk contest. I don't know, man. It's gonna know. have to come down to him missing both of, all three of his attempts in order for him to lose. We'll see. Yeah, we will, but let's move forward, man. Let's talk um, – I guess let's get back to regular NBA basketball now. Heading in all-star break, the Lakers, we've been struggling, man. We have been struggling, and uh, we talked about it. We touched on it a bit. Uh, me and you did. I believe it was in a group chat. I don't think it was on our last segment, but uh, we talked about the Lakers and their playoff chances, man. What What's your take on that? Do you think the Lakers can make the playoffs? Yeah, I think y'all still can make the playoffs. Um, the push has to start now, but I think it's I think that it's pretty it's still a pretty safe bet that the Lakers make the playoffs. Um, you're you're four games out of eighth place, but you're also only four games out of well five games out of sixth or seventh place. I mean sixth or fifth place, so you can y'all can get back in there. It's not too far fetched. But like I said, the the push has to start now. Y'all three and seven over your last ten games. Yeah, it, it's been it's been hard to watch Laker basketball, but I do believe we'll make the playoffs mostly because after All Star break, we get to uh, we get a lot of our guys back. We'll get Lonzo back. We'll get Josh Hart back. We'll get more rotation guys back to where we don't have to play as many guys who. Uh, we weren't really used to throwing into the fire. Guys who hadn't really played much throughout the season were playing a lot down the stretch. So we'll get uh, major rotation guys back, which will, I feel like, bolster our play. And I hopefully now you'll see a change in the guys since the uh, trade talks are gone. Hopefully you'll start to see the guys come together more because you could – I mean, it was blatant that there was a lot of disconnect going on with the team throughout all of that talk. You saw we talked about LeBron's body, uh, the his whole mannerisms, like the way he walked up and down the court. He just looked terrible. His body motions on the court looked horrible. He didn't look like he wanted to be there at all. Then you had players that just didn't even look like they wanted to play with LeBron. It's just 
there were a lot of things going on as far as team morale went, and it didn't look good. So hopefully this All-Star break has given guys some time to disconnect and really see, put their sights back on the goal, which is to make the playoffs, something that the Lakers haven't done in years. So um, I guess in order for the Lakers to make the playoffs, what do you have to, what do you see them uh, having to do in order to get into the playoffs? I know you said the push has to come now, but what more would um, do you think the Lakers have to do in order to make that push happen? I still think y'all need to buy out a shooter, somebody that can really shoot the basketball consistently. That's the key. Yeah, the Lakers got guys who can hit three-point shots, but who's the consistent guy night in, night out that you know is going to knock down three threes, four threes? There, there is no guy like that all the way down to the bottom of that roster. And and I feel like to be a LeBron James team with no shooters, I don't feel like you're giving yourself very much of a chance. But, I mean, it is a bunch of athletes, so I guess you could get hot. But I think that the main thing that y'all would definitely need to do before the end of the season is buy out a shooter. When is the last day that you could um, sign free agents? Ain't it like – March or something? I want to say. I'm not for sure. I think it is. I think it's early in March, maybe midway through March. But, oh, yeah, that that's definitely something that I would say needs to happen as well. Um, I'm not sure who we could target that would come in and actually, uh, I guess, gel with our system and be considered a shooter. Um, I'm not too familiar with how well Nick Stauskas has shot the ball, but I know that he is available out there. He's been released. That's um, the type of guy you need. I don't know if he would be the exact guy, but that's the type of guy you need. Somebody that you can just bring in. You know, you're you not bringing them in for anything else besides the fact that they can shoot the basketball. Agreed. I agree. Um, Yeah, I, I would like to see that, and I would like to see us find an identity. I mean, we have not had an identity with this Laker ball club. It's been a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's been a lot of inconsistency as far as our offense is concerned. One week we want to be run and gun. The next week we slow it down and try to play <coughs> try to play uh, more uh, half-court games and uh, a lot of pick-and-roll like offense. We gotta. We have to find that identity that's going to show us which one we're more successful at. I think that's because that's the type of roster y'all have, though. Y'all have a bunch of guys who don't do the same thing every night. So every night your your team is changing because tonight Lance, Lance Stevenson might be shooting the three-wheel, and this might be the Lance that give you 28 points. But then the very next night, it might be the Lance Stevenson who can turn the ball over seven times and only play defense. And, like, it, it's just – I feel like none of the guys on your team has a real set identity. Like, yeah, they're good players, but they're, they're like, role guys who are just going to do something different for you every night. And, and with this – like, with, with LeBron James, I feel like you need guys who are, who are set in a role every night. Like, you need a scorer that's going to score with LeBron. You need shooters – you need defenders. You need rebound. Like, everybody needs a d- defined role, and I don't feel like nobody on that Lakers team really fits that besides maybe JaVale McGee maybe, I guess. I think I agree. I agree with you 100% as far as uh, having players uh, that we don't know night in, night out, what we'll get from them. But I feel like a lot of that goes into Luke Walton 
I I need Luke Walton to be more of a a coach that that molds these young guys into being what they should be because you have a team full of young guys who have potential to be something, but they don't know what that something is because they do something different every night. You have a guy like a Brandon Ingram. I need Brandon Ingram to be my other scorer to go along with LeBron. If you don't want him to be your other scorer, then he has to be your defender and you allow Kuzma to be your scorer. But, excuse me, these guys have to have a set identity night in, night out. Because like you said, you never know. Night One night you'll come out, Kuzma will go for 30-something. Next night, Brandon Ingram will come out and go for, excuse me, about 28. But it's not consistent. We He has to put these guys into roles. Because like you said, when you play with LeBron, you have to have roles because – you, I mean, that's the best type of basketball to play with a guy like him. Yeah, that way you can draw up more sets for guys, and it becomes easier. The game becomes easier for the team as a whole when guys have roles out there. So I agree with the guys like Lance Stevenson and all of those, but those are role guys. Granted, we have a lot of role guys on our team, but we have a lot of guys who can be put into a specific role and not just we need them to go out there and do this little thing and that little thing and that little thing. Like a guy like a like I said, a Brandon Ingram and a Cal Kuzma, I feel like those are two guys that you have to set in stone what their role is every night. We need you to go out and get the buckets. We need you to go out and defend. We need you to go out and rebound well. We need you to go out and do this. And that I feel like a lot of that does come with coaching. I feel like if you have a guy like a um Let's say maybe a guy like a Doc Rivers or something like that. He's going to put these guys into roles. You're going to be running sets out here. You're going to be playing basketball that complements this ball club as a team. And I don't. That's another thing too, though. If you don't have a LeBron James out there, I feel like you would see more sets where you where you're getting Ingram into a spot where he can score from. But with with LeBron out there, your offense flows a lot differently. So. I, I don't know that I will put all that on Luke Walton, but I do feel like part of that does have to go on Luke. And I think part of it maybe might have to go on the player themselves too. I mean, I, I, I just don't understand the construction of this roster. But I, I've been <laughs> saying that since day one. I just don't understand it. But I, I, saw, I saw the vision completely all the way up until we signed LeBron. <laughs> Once we sign LeBron, I'm like, something is no longer going to add up, whether that be Brandon Ingram not having that, that role that he's had as being our go-to guy scoring, or Alonzo uh, not having as many opportunities to facilitate as he normally does. But, yeah, I mean, I've said this multiple times, and I won't keep beating a dead horse, but there's a reason why I didn't want LeBron to come down here with this young talent, and it's showing now. Everything that I hoped wouldn't happen is starting to happen. This entire young core that we built is about to collapse right before our eyes because a lot of people are like, oh, well, they made it past trade deadline, so they'll be good. Nah, the same people that were offered during the trade deadline are still going to be offered likely this summer to try to pull in Anthony Davis again. So, I mean, like like I said, this entire young core that we've built is is on its way out. And where do the Lakers go from here? I don't know. But as far as this topic at hand, I would 
uh, I would like to bet that the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. I'm not quite sure what the seed is, but I'll see teams like the Kings who are ahead of them falling off and things like that. I just, I, I'll, I definitely see the Lakers making the playoffs most definitely. The Clippers been traded away most of their talent. They four games ahead of y'all. Yeah, they about ready to tank it up. I can see so, them uh, losing out and trying to get a higher draft pick and whatnot. I don't see y'all getting no higher than eight. Which no, not us, the Clippers. I know, but I'm saying I don't, I, I'm saying if the Lakers make the playoffs, I don't think y'all will get no higher than eight. Oh, maybe see. seven, depending. Yeah, depending on maybe if the uh, Spurs maybe could drop to eight, y'all might go to seven. But I don't think y'all pass Utah or or Houston. Yeah, I I I wouldn't bet money on that. I I, I would like to see us make the playoffs, but um. Yeah, I wouldn't be too shocked to see us slide in at the eighth seed and play the Warriors in the first round because that's a matchup that a lot of people would like to see, um, judging off of the way that the games have gone throughout the year. I personally think it would it would be pretty bad, but I think everybody would want to see LeBron and the Warriors. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it pan out that way. But, yeah, man, let, let's talk about another team out west. The Oklahoma City Thunder – has started to look really good down the stretch. They're looking really good. And part of that reason being is Paul George. Paul George is emerging into the guy that a lot of us already knew he was, but now he's starting to make it extremely evident that he is still that guy. And with that being said, Russell Westbrook is taking more of a step back in giving him that shadow or giving him that spotlight. He's falling back into the shadows a bit, and becoming a little more of a facilitator than he had been with a guy like a Kevin Durant. So, my question to you is, do you think Russell Westbrook is finally, finally learning how to defer to a greater offensive talent than he? Mm, this this got me kind of torn a little bit because um, – his numbers and Paul George's numbers would probably tell you that the answer to this question is yeah. But I know that the the three or four times that I've actually got to watch Thunder games this year, <laughs> shit, Russ still doing the same shit down the stretch of games. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I do kind of want to give you some credit because he has been taking less shots and, and letting Paul George do his thing. But Really, was the was the concern really ever about the first forty four and a half minutes? Because <laughs> I never really had no concerns about that at all. When I was talking to, when I'm always talking about rest crunch time, time. Yeah, it was always crunch time to me that I always referred to. And to me, like I said, I know I've only seen about three or four games of the Thunder this year. But down the stretch of those games that I've seen, I've still seen Russell Westbrook making the same bonehead plays <laughs> down the stretch of the game. So I'm I'm gonna say I'm I'm torn fifty fifty. I'm 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 gonna say I don't know. I don't know yet. Well, I'll give you my answer in its entirety. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, he has not learned how to defer. Because when you get guys like a Russell Westbrook, he does. He's never going to know how to defer. It's not in his DNA, and it's a lot of what you said. Like it's never been 
the early moments throughout the game. It's always crunch time. And I'll take it a step further. It's not just crunch time. It's crunch games, big-time games. You get this Thunder team in the playoffs, you better believe when it comes time to hit the shot or when it comes to crucial possessions down the stretch, Russ is going to put the team on his back or at least try to. When I feel like it, that shouldn't be what he what he's doing. Like we all know, Russell Westbrook, he's got the alpha dog badge, and you, <laughs> just like the game, you don't just lose that badge. You got to go in and edit it and take it off of the player. It's not <laughs> he's not going to lose that badge ever. So I feel like, like you said, statistically, it looks good. It definitely looks like, damn, Russ really letting PG run the show now. No, he's not. PG's getting his rocks off early. As I mean, we all know Russ to be that guy anyway. Russ pads his stats early and tries to let his scoring come later in the game. Just so happens that a lot of these games that they've played in, later down the stretch, they don't need him to do any of that, so he doesn't score. But when it is close, I haven't seen much of the deferring either. So I don't believe that in a playoff game or in a big-time game, a crucial game, I don't see Russell Westbrook deferring to Paul George, not consistently. We may see it here and there, just like we did with KD, but I feel like this is is KD and, and Russ all over again because Paul George has the same temperament as a Kevin Durant. He's got that temperament to where he's like, yeah, I can definitely be that guy, but shit, if Russ want to do it, go ahead, Russ, do your thing. Like He's not going to be that guy that says, not give me the ball. I need the ball in crunch time. And that's what it's going to be. I feel like that's why they gel so well is because Paul George has that that laid back temperament just like Kevin Durant did. And I don't think that that's good for them. I don't. Yeah, they got that. They got that. All right, you can go up and throw up your 45 shots. I'm just going to play my smooth game and be efficient. And he basically hoped the coach going to be like, okay, well, let's give it to Paul George because he efficient today. Yes, exactly. Kobe going to be in your face like, bruh. <laughs> right. You, you do that shit again and look me off like that again, and you going to have to see me. <laughs> right, right, straight up. And the crazy thing about that is, as outlandish, out, as outlandish as that sounds, Paul George is a talent that deserves to be that type of weight. Paul George is that guy to where you can't, you wouldn't be able to get mad at a Paul George for checking you like that. Like, bro, like, nah, like... If we're if we're calling a spade a spade, if we're saying if we're let's just call it what it is, people get caught up in the MVPs and the stats and all of this stuff. Paul George is a better basketball player than Russell Westbrook, so he deserves to have that. Especially offensively, you damn right, Paul George is better than Russ. Russ may be more athletic; he may be more fun to watch. But let's call it what it is, man. Paul George is a better offensive player than Russell Westbrook. He's a better defensive player as well. That's been shown. So I don't feel like he would be, I guess, wrong for taking that role. But like I said, he doesn't have that temperament. He's not going to be that type of guy. And I kind of feel like Paul George is happy with where he's at. He's content with being – Shit, yeah, I don't got too much pressure on me. Like, I don't, I feel like Paul George would be, he would be good in that light, but he's more comfortable not being in that light at all, as far as having that, 
having to have that attention on him to be that guy to close games out. I feel like he can do it, but he's like, why? I got Russ, so I'm cool. I, I don't even need to put that pressure on me. But I don't know, man. I'm I'm excited to see where they go because I feel like they have a well-built team. And, I mean, it's, I feel like it's going to be similar to what we've already seen, man. It's really going to just further instill in me that Russell Westbrook doesn't need to be running the show. Go ahead and do what we've been saying for years. Slide him over to that, too. Get you a point guard in that doesn't need to score and let him get the bucks. Simple as that. I already told you um, that that Thunder team is the the team that scares me the most in the West. I told you that weeks ago. Yeah, you've been saying that. You've been saying that for a while. You said that before they even got going like they were now. You said if the Thunder can go on and add a couple more players to that roster, they're definitely going to be scared. Yeah, that's exactly what you said. Add a shooter. That's it. And they still ain't even added that yet, and they already. That's because Paul George been shooting the lights out. Yeah. He been filling it up. So, yeah, man, I'm anxious to see that. But to answer the question, no, Russell Westbrook has not learned to defer, so don't get your, don't get your hopes up. If you're expecting to see a different Russell Westbrook in crunch time or if you're expecting to see a different Russell Westbrook in the playoffs, no, it's not going to happen. And you better hope they don't draw no matchup like the Rockets or somebody like that in the first round because we're going to see exactly what Russ is. We're going to see it. He's going to go out there and be a jack. So, yeah, that, that's what I'm expecting to see. But let's let's talk college basketball, man. We, we've talked about this team the last probably three or four episodes, and it seems like every time we talk this team, they continue to ascend. That team being Kentucky, man. Kentucky just recently played Tennessee, which was previously the number one team in the nation, and they handled Tennessee. Like, it wasn't just a, oh, they pulled it out at the end type game. Like, nah, they pretty much dominated that Tennessee team that – a lot of people throughout the nation were calling the best team in college basketball. I never got on that train, but a lot of people were calling Tennessee the best team in the nation. So where do you think Kentucky ranks amongst the best teams in the nation? Like, do you have them within your top two or top three, or maybe even the best team in the nation? Where does Kentucky rate for you? I say, they're the hottest team in the country for sure. But um, taking a step back and looking at them as far as the totality of the year and the rest of the country, I say they're probably a top five. I'll give them top five. Probably really, if I ranked my top five, I would probably have them at maybe three or four probably. Probably four, honestly. Who would you have ahead of them? Duke, of course. Then uh, Virginia. Then I don't know if I would put them or Gonzaga first. Based off right now, for real, I'll go Kentucky at three, Gonzaga four, then Tennessee at five. And then I'll probably have (laughs) probably Michigan right there on the outside looking in at six. Yeah, that's not a bad. Yeah, That's they, not a bad top five at all. Yeah, they top, I'll give Kentucky a top three team. I will top say 
I will I'll split with you because I don't I do still think Gonzaga is one of the best teams in the nation. Regardless of their competition, I still think the way that their team is built. They've beaten they're they're beating their opponents by average of twenty plus right now. So they're <laughs> they're not playing down the competition at all. They're definitely one of the top teams in the world. Yeah, I, I definitely have Gonzaga as my number three team in the nation. I have Duke uh Virginia just like you did and Gonzaga number three and that Kentucky game I felt like the Kentucky Tennessee game I felt like it was more of a um this is really our moment to show the world we're really that good against a Tennessee team and not to mention they had that Tennessee team at home so I'm I have I right now just because they beat Tennessee I have them at number 4 above Tennessee but I'm not so sure that they're a better team than Tennessee. If they were to play on a neutral site court I felt like it would be a completely different ball game. It would be a toss up. I don't know yeah, who would win that game. right now. That's why I give Kentucky the edge. Yes. Right Most definitely, but I think come tournament time once it finally gets down to the to the conference tournament and the 64 this year or 68 should I say. Um I think we'll see teams like Michigan or uh Tennessee really start to flex their muscle and show us just how good they are because they'll start to be more forgotten teams because of how hot everybody else is. And We're going to get to see that Kentucky and Tennessee matchup again. I don't know if they play again in the regular season, but we'll damn sure see that again at SEC Championship. I sure hope for some strange reason, I think one of them is going to get knocked off in the SEC tournament. And I'm thinking it's going to be Kentucky. So okay. I'm hoping that we get to see it in the championship, but everything in my gut is telling me that Kentucky is going to run the table throughout the regular season and get knocked off in the conference tournament. Nah, I need Kentucky to go ahead and get that one seed. I ain't trying to see them before. <laughs> I, I don't want to see Kentucky either. I don't want to see Kentucky at all, to be honest, based Me off either. of what we did we to them early. Again, if we do got to see them again, I don't want it to be no Elite Eight. <laughs> yeah, I want mine seeing them in the Final Four, but I, I want to see them. If I see them at all, like I said, I want to see them in the National Championship. I don't want to see them at all. You know they always choke before they get to us. Yeah, that's true. So I I don't know. I'd be excited to see that. But yeah, like I said, I got I I got UK in my top four right now. They're at number four. Um, they got a nice little week coming up though. Yeah, they at, they at Missouri on Tuesday, and then they go to uh, well, then they got Auburn at home on Saturday. Neither one of those games is going to be a slouch. They're not great teams, but. Going to Missouri is going to be tough, especially coming in as a top five team in the country. And then Auburn's a good team as well. Yeah. We saw Auburn firsthand against Duke earlier this year in the Maui, and they're they're definitely a good ball club. And now Kentucky is starting to get that rep as now we want to give y'all our best shot because of how much attention y'all are getting. They're now back to U.K. standards to where now they're going to start getting everybody's best shot. You knock off Tennessee. You're now in the SEC. You're the team to beat. You're the team with the target on your back now. So, yeah, we'll we'll definitely see teams come at UK in a different light now, and that's what I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see how they now handle this uh this role of being no longer the underdog because even though they were ranked pretty high, 
they still didn't feel like they were getting the respect that they deserved. After beating Tennessee, now here comes all the respect that you deserve. Now you're going to have to show us that you're worthy of keeping it. Hey, I want to throw something out here real quick. Who's that? I, I, was, I just pulled the, I got this laptop out, and I just pulled up the power rankings for college basketball. Duke number one, Virginia number two, Tennessee three, Gonzaga four, Kentucky five, Michigan six. Sheesh. <laughs> that it really yeah, is crazy. Right. The same exact six teams we just mentioned. That shit really is crazy. But yeah, Houston, Houston, they 25 and 1. I haven't I'm heard anything about Houston this year. Either. I'm gonna have to catch a Houston game. They 25 and 1. They got them at number seven. And Carolina number eight. Michigan State nine and Nevada ten. That's the top ten power rankings right now. Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I'm gonna have to look at look up Wash or Washington. Look up Houston and see what all they got going on down there because it must be something for them to be that high in the power rankings and to only have one loss on the year. So, yeah, I'm gonna definitely look out for them as well. But huh, now let's talk. Let's talk the the game, the rivalry. It's time. It's finally here. It's finally the time of the year where Carolina and Duke meet. We will get round one on Wednesday at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So, with that being said, what do you expect to see in round one of this Duke and Carolina game? You expecting it to be a blowout? You expecting a close game? You expecting the upset? What are you really expecting from this game? I hate that I gotta say this and and not be biased. Since man, I got us on upset alert. Ooh. I do. We we've been shooting the basketball absolutely horrible, and we've we've narrowly escaped two two games. We should we should have lost last week. We should have took it out last week. Either the, uh, who did we just play the other day? Louisville. We put the way, no, nah, not Louisville. That game we definitely should have lost, but we came back and won that one. And then who we play after that? We just played on Saturday. Who did we play again? Um, who did we just play? I was watching the game. I know, me too. <laughs> um, I can't remember either. Whoever it was, we was in control the whole game, but we didn't handle it how we really should have. I cannot. Rem- I don't know. Yeah, oh yeah, that was the game RJ had the triple double, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who was it that we just played? Hey, it was right oh, on the tip State. of my tongue. NC That's State. exactly who it was. NC State. NC State. Yep. So we should have beat them guys by forty. We let them hang around. I'm just I'm just seeing like signs of a of Yeah, yeah. I, I I can just see it happening. Hopefully, guys wake up for this Carolina game, and then we we bounce back to life. But right now, from what I've been seeing from my guys the past couple games, I think I think we on upset alert. That's not outlandish, um, but I got us winning um, handedly. I don't think it's really going to be. I think obviously it's a Duke Carolina game. It's going to be close, but I I see us winning by. Um, more than one possession, mostly because these guys. This is what you came to Duke for, and I feel like these guys are really going to get up for this game. I feel like we're going to see. Um, I hope so. 
we're going to see a, a much more efficient RJ, just like we did last week. We're going to see uh, Cam get it going. We're also going to see – I'm extremely excited for this point guard battle, um, mostly because Carolina – the head of Carolina's offense is their point guard. So, oh. it's I'm, – I'm extremely excited to see – just how flustered Kobe White gets with um, Trey Jones all up in him, and I like I said that's that's a matchup that I'm definitely looking forward to. But man, what are they really going to do with our forwards? Like I don't I don't see them matching up well with us at all. This is one of the first years that Duke has had multiple forwards that could give you whatever you want. Like we we've had guys like Jason Tatum. We've had guys like uh Brandon Ingram, um Justice Winslow, guys like that. But we haven't had a, a Duke team that has RJ Barrett style players also teamed up with a Cam Reddish, also teamed up with a Zion Williamson. Like that's a three headed monster that you really just have to hope that they're off. And I don't see that happening in this game. I think that we'll pull this game out. I still – I agree with you with us being on upset alert. I just don't see us being on upset watch against Carolina. I think it's going to be a tough one with us against Syracuse on Saturday at Syracuse. Not saying we'll lose that game, but we've got back-to-back <coughs> road games following this Carolina game. And I think one of those will be the one we drop. We got Syracuse on the road, then we turn around and got Virginia Tech on the road. So, well, you know, you know, I hope you're right because it ain't nothing worse than losing to losing to Carolina. I don't. Not only do I not want to lose to Carolina, I don't want to lose to Carolina at home. Yeah, but if we do get beat this time, that guarantees a dub in the next one. <laughs> True, but I wouldn't be a, a, against seeing another Carolina sweep. Oh, yeah, you know what happens in sweep years. I mean, hey, it is sweep what it is. Even when – if Carolina sweep us, that's a championship year for them most of the time too. So, if you see a sweep in the Carolina Duke series – One of the teams team. is winning it all. Yeah, because that, that's how good of a team you got to have to sweep that series. But, nah, didn't we – we swept them with Tatum in them. I know. That's why I said most of the time. Yeah. Everything don't happen every time. But most of the time. But hold up. Didn't they go to the champ? They went to the championship that year, though. What? The year we swept them, they went to the championship, right? No, I think I don't think we swept them, though. Did we play them three times that year? Yeah. They beat, them, we, they beat us once. Did they? Yeah, I think we beat them 2-1. I don't remember. I think they beat they beat us in the ACC tournament, or we beat them in the ACC. Tournament. Nah, that year with Tatum, and then we beat them in the ACC tournament and won it. We won the ACC tournament. Then maybe they beat us once in the regular season. I don't think we. I don't. I think the last time we swept Carolina was fifteen. I think. Let me see. What year was Tatum and them there? Was that sixteen or seventeen? Uh, sixteen. Seven, sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen. So. Yeah, I like I said, I'm I'm uh I'm expecting us to win this game by double digits or not double digits, excuse me. Uh double possessions. Multiple possessions is what I'm expecting to see. 
as far as our team is concerned. I, I, I just – I don't really see – I don't know, man. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I Because you know what I think we're going to do? We're going to struggle with May. Who are we going to guard Luke May with? Zion? Yeah, but he's just such a veteran, man. He's he's a he's a heady guy. I'm not worried about him this year because we've got the way our defense has been rolling this year, we switch everything. We've when we've got a very versatile that? team. I'm not saying he's not gonna get his because I think he that like he will. Colson. I hate Fonzie <laughs> Colson. But I don't think that he really gonna put on like that. I like. hope not, man. I hope we beat the shit out of them. But I just feel like the way we've been shooting the basketball lately, man, I hope we get get it out of us early. Go ahead and take that lump due to the shooting now. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I I, don't, I would rather see us get it going shooting-wise and really flex that muscle again. But Me too, but I don't want that I don't want that bad shooting night to come in, in the tournament. I think right now is the time where we get it going toward the tournament, man. We only got, what, Four more games. Um, I hope so, man. I, this team has appeared different all year, so it I would be so. nice to see some consistency. Yeah, but I mean, um, we can't shoot. <laughs> we can. We have shooters, but we just cannot shoot consistently. Like we've got a guy in Cam Reddish who can shoot. We've got a guy in Alex O'Connell who can shoot. We got a guy in Jack White who can shoot, but for some reason this year he is not shooting the ball well at all. So, I feel like Cam Reddish is a player that if every time he fuck up, if you just say it to him in his ear, he'll get down on himself. Bro. I feel like you could just talk him into having a bad game. He just be I, I like how he's been playing lately, but I think that's why he was playing bad early in the season. He just wasn't he just was shooting bad and just couldn't shake it. He was just always in his own head. Yeah. I hope he don't go back to that. I, I think that he's fine as far as that is concerned now. I think what it was early, it wasn't so much. I think it was him being in his own head, but not for uh, not for reasons as of, damn, I'm having a bad game. I think it was more of, damn, RJ and Zion are really living up to the hype, and I'm not right now. But – like you can tell in his post game interviews or when he does do good. Like he always said, Appreciate y'all for being down with me, even when shit was bad, da 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 da. Like he he's on more of that tip. So I feel like now he's finally found himself and that's why he's playing to his level. I feel like that uh game winner at Wake Forest did a lot for him. Yeah. That did a lot for him confidence wise. So we've seen a better Cam Reddish throughout the year. But now we're starting to see the Cam Reddish that we all knew he could be. And I don't he, bar- he barely shooting better from three than RJ. He's shooting thirty four percent. RJ shooting thirty three point five. That's because he shot God awful early throughout the year, man. He couldn't get nothing to go at all. And over over this recent stretch, he's been shooting the ball great. And that's what I like to see is him taking and making shots, even against uh Louisville. That game against Louisville, he didn't shoot the ball great from three. He just hit crucial threes. And he, exactly. And that's what we need from him. We don't need him to necessarily be efficient. We need him to take and make shots. We, we need it at a high volume in most cases. When a RJ, like that Louisville game, that was a perfect – that was perfect Cam Reddish. 
R.J. Barrett wasn't with us that night scoring-wise. So what did he do? He stepped up and took the load. That's what we need out of a guy like him. And I think that that's what we'll get moving forward. I'm excited to see what will happen with this team. But let's not talk about Duke too much for our audience. Oh, y'all talked about Duke the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I try to hear that. But, yeah, man, let's let's talk NFL. Surprisingly, it's a lot to talk about NFL. But one thing that we got to talk about is our listeners want to hear it. So it's only right that we talk about it, even though it was weeks ago. We got to touch on the Super Bowl, man. We got to because I know the fans want to hear what Sam want to hear what Sam got to say. His boys ain't winning. What uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the Super Bowl, and why do you feel like your guys couldn't pull it out? Man, I feel like it's, it's, tough, <laughs> to be, it's tough to beat Bill and Tom, man. That's all I can really say. I I, I wasn't really too mad I was disappointed for sure that we didn't win but as far as being upset I wasn't upset because I felt like I mean I felt like I got my guys went out there and they laid it all on the line did everything that they really could to try to pull out the dub I mean Bill took away that run game and for some reason I guess I guess I was a little bit mad at McVeigh for not being ready I guess he was kind of cocky because you should have known Bill was going to take something away. That's something that Dobson let us know for sure. Is that he going? What What was the analogy he used? Make you play with your hands behind your back. Yeah, you, play, you know what I'm saying. Make you do what you're not used to doing. And it didn't seem like we was very prepared for that. But with the game plan that they went out there with, I felt like we did everything that we could to win the game. We only gave up 13 points. We just couldn't put up any. Yeah, I think that a lot of people didn't give it credit for it being such a great game defensively, obviously because everybody's into the fireworks these days. I did find it to be more of a boring Super Bowl, but nevertheless, excuse me, it was a defensive masterpiece. There was nothing that you could say as far as that game is concerned defensively that you were just like, I'm tired of watching this. Like it was, it was like a game of chess out there. You saw one team make a move. Okay, well, let's go out here and do this. Like the defenses, almost uh, were almost mirror images of each other, and I felt like the difference was that one team had Tom Brady, and the exactly. other team did it. We couldn't make the plays, and Tom Brady, he been there, done that. He made the plays that they needed to put some more points on the board to get the dub. Exactly. So- and one thing that I didn't like about the Super Bowl aftermath was all of the talk that we got about Jared Goff. Everybody wanted to call Jared Goff trash and call Jared Goff this and that. Where was all of this talk at throughout the season? Because I don't, I didn't, for one, I don't blame that loss on Jared Goff. And for two, Jared Goff didn't do anything differently from that game that he had done throughout the regular season. I, I'm actually one of those guys that feels like Jared Goff is better than I expected him to be. He's actually in a better position right now than I expected him to be when he got drafted. And I like I said, I don't put that I don't put that loss on him. And a lot of it, like you said, I will I will agree with you hundred percent. McVeigh was very disappointing to me because we talked on the podcast prior to the Super Bowl. And one of the things that I said was 
McVay going to come out with some shit. We've already seen him being an offensive genius. So he definitely going to come out and show us even more. He going to go into that bag for real. And he didn't at all. In his defense, though, it is his first time, I believe, coaching against Belichick regular season or playoffs. I don't think we played the Patriots last year. That's understandable. I mean, I mean, but it's like one of them things to where, like, you hear about it, you hear about it, you hear about it, but it's just totally different once you actually there. Yeah, so that's why I don't want to. Like, I don't want to give him like too much harsh criticism because it wasn't his first time against Belichick and it's just it's just something like I said you can just hear about it as much as you want but you don't really know until you actually go up against it I understand that but I'm not hearing it this is the biggest stage you this is what this is what you dream about as a coach not only I mean we all know how much of a mastermind Bill Belichick is and like you said it's one thing to hear and one thing to be in it but at the same time you're on this. You're on the same field as him. It's That's time to I'm make saying. adjustments. And nah, you on the same field as him. You you ain't never been up against him. You was like, well, shit, Bill Belichick ain't never seen no offense like me neither. You don't really realize, like, no, like, no, this this what he do. This what he he. That's does a lie, practice. though. That's a lie because you just saw him play a prolific offense the week before they played y'all, and you saw what he did. He made that prolific offense look mediocre. So, as a head coach, you watch that. This is a team that put up, what, 54 against y'all or 52 against y'all or some shit like that? So, you know firsthand how prolific the Chiefs' offense was. And you saw that he was able to not make them look prolific at all. So, you got to come into it thinking, like, okay, we've seen we, – we know what he's going to do. Like, we don't hey. – obviously, you don't know his game plan, but you know – Okay, he's done a great job in neutralizing their offense, and they got a lot of weapons too. Not I'm only do they got weapons, blast, my guy. I know, I hear it, I hear it. But I need our listeners to hear the other side of of it too, which is you as a coach have seen. I mean, you saw, like I said, you saw what he did to the MVP, Patrick Mahomes. So you've got to think as a coach coming into this game. Shit, if he did that to Mahomes, I know he's gonna try to do this to my quarterback. So here's how we combat that. We go out here and do this and do that. Let's let's make it more difficult on him. And I don't feel like he did that with his game plan offensively. But that's not to say that McVay is the sole reason why y'all lost that game. He's definitely not. But I, I thought that was a great game, and I thought that you guys played it tough. And like I said, the the reason why you guys lost that game was simply because one team had Tom Brady and the other didn't. Simple as that. Golf will learn with experience. It's good that all of your guys have gotten to that stage now. So now moving forward, they know what it takes. We got to go that extra mile to to uh, win it all. And the biggest question for me about the Super Bowl was, was Todd Gurley really that hurt? Because we didn't see no Todd Gurley sighting. I know they took the running game away, but that's when Todd Gurley becomes even more dynamic in the passing game. So, the fact that he wasn't on the field as much as I wanted him to be definitely showed me that that injury was more serious than they alluded to it being. Yeah, and I don't understand why I lie about it, for real. Yeah, I mean, I guess to keep the other team at bay. But even with that being said, I mean, that's going to lead to more questioning as far as your organization is concerned. From here on out, now your fans going to be like, 
Shit, they said Gurley weren't hurt last year. How we know he not going to be hurt this year? How we know he really not hurt this year? Like, I feel like it's really going to bring a, another element to the table as far as Gurley is concerned. And now it kind of throws that wrench in there to ask the question, is Gurley going to be one of these banged up guys? I sure hope not. But, I mean, we will have to see how these next few years pan out for him. Or next couple. I'll say the next couple years. I just... I don't know. We'll have to see, but yeah, man. Let's um, let's talk. Let's talk free agency now, or not even free agency. Off season, I guess. Joe Flacco and the Ravens are no longer in cahoots with one another. The Ravens have decided we are going all in with Lamar Jackson, and they traded Joe Flacco to Denver. What do you think that this means for the Ravens or for Joe Flacco? I mean, I don't think it taught us anything that we didn't already know. I mean, I felt like it was pretty clear that Flacco was going to be shipped once they went to Lamar Jackson. So it didn't surprise me at all that he got shipped. Now, as far as going to Denver, um, I don't think it changes them either. They're still going to be a heavy run play action and rely on a defense team. I mean, they, they definitely, if they bring it in Joe Flacco, that's all they plan on doing. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And I don't think that Joe Flacco makes Denver any better. Um, Denver seems to have problems of their own because it's looking like Brandon Marshall is no longer going to be down there either uh, defensively. So, with them losing one of their best linebackers, that, that that's even worse for a guy like Joe Flacco coming in. But I just think that this basically means that, like you said, it wasn't nothing we already we didn't already know. But it's more of a, a I guess it's more stern or more set in stone now that we know for a fact that the Ravens have found their guy and they're ready to move forward with Lamar ja- with with Lamar Jackson. We had all of those questions as to would the Ravens have won that playoff game if they put Joe Flacco in there? Should they have put in Joe Flacco in there? We know now that the Ravens are saying we don't give a damn about any of that. We've got our guy. We made the re- we made the choice to stick with him for a reason and Joe Flacco is no longer a part of our organization. So with that being the case, I feel like Joe Flacco has another opportunity to prove himself as to show everybody that it's not time for him to hang up the cleats. I personally think that it's over for the guy. Excuse me. I thought it was over for the guy um, a couple years ago. But (laughs) he's got the opportunity to show me and others that he's still got a little more in the tank because uh, who was it? Case Keenum that was down there this year. And he didn't do much for Denver. So – You've got an opportunity to compete for a starting job. It's just a matter of whether you're going to come out and be the Joe Flacco of the past or the Joe Flacco that me and most others expect you to be at this point. So, yeah, I don't think that it it, it helps <coughs> Flacco nor Denver in that uh, aspect. But I'm I'm happy for Lamar. Now he doesn't have to look over his shoulder anymore. It's time now for him to actually take steps into being the guy that they hope they hope for him to be. But um, yeah, man, that 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 was not necessarily surprising. But this next topic was pretty surprising to a lot of people. Um, 
I saw a lot of slander about this decision all over social media and all over the place. Um, Kareem Hunt is now with the uh, Cleveland Browns. And a lot of people weren't happy about that. Do you think he deserved his second chance this early? I mean, why not? I mean, it's not like he killed somebody. So, I mean, if he ain't going to go to jail, then, I mean, he deserved to work. It's not like if you if you get in trouble for – if you get in trouble for hitting your wife or whatever and you don't go to jail, you don't lose your job. And if you are a writer or whatever, whatever you do. So, I mean, it's his job. So, I agree. I, mean, I feel like if he's not going to jail, then, yeah, he should, he should be able to work. Yeah, I I wasn't upset with the fact that they decided to give him a second chance because, like I said, <laughs> throughout the videos and the stuff that we saw, uh, I'm not I'm not sure if I sensed total remorse from him. But even with that being said, who are we to judge? We don't know how he feels on the inside. Uh, he's come out openly and said, I made a mistake. I did this. I know I shouldn't have done it. Da, 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 da. Um, I think that it was only right for this man to get a second chance. We we in America, for some reason, think we're too entitled in saying who should and should not have opportunities to do things. And this is one of the instances. I don't feel like anybody should have the right to say, Nobody should pick this guy up. He did this. He did that. We all know what he did. The organizations know what he did. If they decided to, if they decided to bring him aboard, obviously they saw something in him that's either a changed player or they've seen something in him that has allowed them to know, okay, we can trust this guy. We know, we know moving forward he can help this organization. So let's go ahead and give him an opportunity. One thing that I took from this situation was that the guy who gave him this second chance was a guy who actually used to be with the Chiefs. So um, many people don't know that uh, Tyreek Hill actually had an, uh, a domestic violence, I believe it was, case that was going on with him early in his career. And the same man that gave Kareem Hunt his opportunity also gave Tariq Hill his opportunity as in, you know what? It's a situation. It happened. Let's move forward and look where he's at now. You don't you don't hear anything about that. You don't hear nothing about it in the news, in the media, anything. So in a couple of years, we may not hear anything else about this Kareem Hunt situation. I'm sure that everybody will move past him once he gets back on the field and starts showing us exactly what we know he can do. But more than anything about this, I I felt like it was puzzling in a way. Because you bring in a guy, um, an NFL-leading rusher, you bring him in along with the guy who was basically the face of your backfield, a young guy, and Nick Chubb. So now it's kind of like, what you going to do? Like, who's going to be the face of your backfield now? I feel like you got some... uh some questions to answer. Obviously it's better to have two backs than none. So, or that better to have two backs than one. So I'm excited to see how they play it. What, what's your take on that? Do you think that this will cause any turmoil with them offensively? 
Nah, because you can use them kind of like a, a thunder and lightning kind of type of deal. I mean, I know Chubb is versatile too, but I mean, use them just like the Saints. That's what, yeah. when I saw this. That was the that was the initial thing. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about it. Then the Saints popped into my head. I'm like, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram. They both yeah. get a lot of touches, and they both are extremely efficient. So there it is. I mean, you got the recipe now. Yeah, and they got the undersized quarterback. I think they copying the model. It looks a lot like it. It so, looks a lot like it. And they got Jarvis wanna... Landry out there. I mean, yeah, they've they've got they've got the tools. So we'll we'll see. The next step is for them to get that defense to where they need it to be. And then they got pieces, so I mean, it, it'll. I feel like it'll it'll play out well for them. I feel like two running backs will definitely help Baker Mayfield, and it makes them a little more dynamic. Um, next man, AB. We had this story a couple of uh, episodes ago, and we both talked about whether or not it was a big deal because. It had been speculated that he asked for a trade, but the way the story came out was him saying something more along the lines of, shit, if you're not going to play me, you might as well trade me. Now it's, I want a trade. He is requesting a trade now. Do you think that will happen? No, but just because the Steelers are petty. <laughs> yeah. No, going to trade him. I don't think they're going to trade him basically because of what we've already seen transpire with Le'Veon. We've seen how they decide to play things, and I don't think that they'll trade an A.B. unless these um, speculations about Odell Beckham are true. The The latest, for those who don't know, is that um, the Steelers are the favorite to sign Odell Beckham this offseason. And if they by chance do that, then yes, all of a sudden now it becomes more appealing for you to trade Antonio Brown and get you, whether it be a draft pick or something else major. If I'm them, I'm I, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what you could pull in that could be more, um, excuse me, more valuable than an Antonio Brown. So. I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 with it. I think that it will happen if they can pull something like that. If they get word that they can pull in Odell Beckham for sure, then I I wouldn't be against seeing them trade him. But until that, yeah, I don't see him being traded, man. Because like you said, we've seen the Steelers be petty, and I think that's exactly where it's going to stay. I don't see them changing that at all. Me either. That's just that's their identity, and that's who they are. But yeah, man, before we get out of here, let's touch on this last topic, which is the NFL draft. I just recently saw a mock draft. I want to say it was from Bleacher Report. Um, the Arizona Cardinals have the number one pick. Most people, including Mel Kuyper Jr. and uh, Todd McShay, have Joey Bosa going number one, which I see that being – the obvious pick for the Cardinals. But the Bleacher Report one that I saw actually had uh, Kyler Murray going number one overall to the Cardinals, even after they've just drafted Josh Rosen. So uh, obviously everybody doesn't feel 
the way that McShay or um, Kuiper Jr. feel. Um, you got your pick. Which quarterback do you take first, Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins? If I'm picking, yes. If I'm picking for an NFL team, I'm taking Haskins. But Cliff Kingsbury is on record stating that if he had the number one pick, he would take Kyler Murray. Mm. And that was before he was on staff with the Cardinals. And I'd be damned if he basically <laughs> don't have the number one pick. So it's not outlandish for the Cardinals to take him number one. Because, I mean, that's who Cliff Kingsbury wants to run his offense. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Because, I mean, nobody, nobody really knows how much control Cliff Kingsbury is going to have as far as draft and personnel was going as far as personnel is concerned so I don't know but yeah I would take Haskins but yeah I I'm I'm right there with you and obviously it's gonna sound biased since I'm a Buckeye fan but I'm taking Dwayne Haskins as well just mostly because of his upside what he uh, has the potential to blossom into we already know he's a skilled passer but even beyond him being a skilled passer, it's been shown that he learns extremely fast because this is a guy who, um, let's, I mean, he's been at Ohio State for a couple of years. He had ample opportunity to be, you know, the guy. Obviously, they had JT Barrett there, but JT Barrett was more of a, of a leader than anything. Obviously, from what we're seeing in Dwayne Haskins right now, He's nowhere near the passer that Dwayne Haskins was and or is, should I say. So either Dwayne Haskins has grown immensely over a year's time or he just wasn't given that opportunity. And I'm willing to bet that it wasn't. It didn't have anything to do with the opportunity. It was all uh, improvement. So this is a guy that we've seen. He's a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to getting better. He gets better fast. And... I think that that bodes well for him moving forward in this NFL. And as far as Kyler Murray is concerned, this is a guy that we don't even know whether football is something that he loves to do. I don't think that I'm. I don't think now, that I. He came out and said he one hundred. He one hundred percent committed to football. I, I I feel that, but at the same time, I feel like that probably has a lot to do with the way that the uh, MLB did him. They had that. Um, time span to where they had to give him the money that they were supposed to give him in order for them to show him, okay, we're really all in about you, and they didn't do it. So I feel like now he's 100% committed to football because of the way that that situation played out. I don't think Kyler Murray loves the game of football much more than he loves the game of baseball. So who's to say that shit goes bad in football? Let's say he takes a major hit or something, gets a concussion or something, and then he decides – this shit not worth it for real. <laughs> and decides to go play baseball. The, are you really willing to risk a number one pick on a guy that you don't know for a fact is going to be there? I'm not saying anyway, that he's not, but I just man, don't know. They ain't even seen their last 
they just drafted a quarterback and they ain't even seen that through yet. Right. So to me, it sounds a little outlandish to grab a quarterback. Number one, when you just grabbed a quarterback in the first round last year. But, hey, like you said, Cliff Kingsbury is there now. So obviously he wants to take the offense in a different direction. And Kyler Murray is his ideal player. So we'll see. I think if they take anybody other than Joey Bosa, they're stupid. But we'll see. We'll, we will definitely see. But, yeah, man, that pretty much wraps it up for our episode. Was there anything you want to say to the listeners before we got out of here? Um, I just wanted to touch on something. Um, You know, Steph was always the only, <laughs> the only person to hit 300 threes in the season. Yeah. Barring injury, James Harden will hit 300 this year. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's at 274 right now. Wow. Second is Steph at 236. Third is Paul George at 218. Now, I'm giving props to James Harden, but let's not forget Steph did miss like 20 plus games. Because <laughs> he'll probably already be at 300 by now. But Didn't, didn't you say Steph hit, what, what did he hit, 400 in the season or something like that? Yeah, he said 400. And when nobody else had ever hit 300, right? Right, but James Harden definitely is going to hit 300 this year. He only needs 26 more, so he'll definitely do that. But he got 195, and Kimba got 187. That's the top five and threes. That's not bad for Kimba. Buddy fourth in percentage, too, though. Yeah, that's not surprising from Buddy because Buddy has really been shooting the lights out. He's uh, a major key as to why the, the Kings are where they are positioned. And he doesn't get enough credit. Let me see what Buddy averaging this year. Buddy, Buddy is definitely looking good, and I think a lot of it has to do with the the players oh, around Buddy. him. Buddy averaging twenty. Yeah, Buddy's looking good this year. I've caught a few Kings games mostly because I'm a uh, I'm a Shumpert fan. I've been a Shumpert fan for a while, you know that. But um, I enjoy watching them play as a team, and a lot of it had to do with Shumpert. He would post a lot of stuff on social media about how well they was doing and how the young guys was coming along. So let me check a couple Kings games out. And they were actually impressive. I like what they're doing down there. Um, those young guys are definitely going to be good with, within the years to come. I like what I see out of De'Aaron Fox, and I'm definitely liking what I'm seeing out of Buddy. So, yeah, I think they'll be good. I don't think that this is going to be their year. Like I said, I can see them dropping off some games and um, not making the playoffs or if they do making it as an AFC. But – yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's looking up for them down there. And like I said, I don't think Buddy Hill gets enough credit for what he's doing. He's definitely looking good, most definitely. But, yeah, that's interesting to know, man, that uh, excuse me, James Harden is on the verge of hitting 300. I thought another Steph, uh, another Steph plug for MVP was coming. But not nah, well, another thing is everybody talking about how crazy Paul George is going. And, and he only averaging point one more than Steph, twenty eight point seven versus twenty eight point six. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, nobody, nobody wants to talk about Mr. Curry. You know they don't. You know they don't. He's on the most hated team in the NBA. They don't want to hear nothing good about him nor Mr. Kevin Durant. I saw people on social media mad that KD won All Star MVP. I'm like, all right, man. Come on, guys. This is y'all's hate is really starting to get out of get out of hand now. It's just an all star game. Chill out. 
<laughs> but yeah, man, that pretty much does it for our episode, man. Signing out, it's your boy Ish. And it's your boy Sam. We appreciate y'all. We out.